Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again for another episode of the Knollcast. Uh, always thanking our friends in New Iberia, Louisiana. There is no better uh, addition to any dish in general than Louisiana hot sauce. And when you throw in our current quarantine predicament, uh, Louisiana hot sauce, A-OK with me. So thank you to them as always. Bud, going to have a little bit of fun tonight. Look back on last year's draft. Uh, some really interesting numbers here. We'll kind of ping pong back and forth, give you our ideas in, uh, in retrospect, and also kind of capture some of what we thought at the time as we uh, we put this draft together. So really appreciate the feedback that we've gotten from people. I know this is something that people were looking forward to, and uh, hopefully we'll do right by them in our review of it tonight. Okay, so this is something we threw together, I think on a Saturday last year in the offseason. I was like, hey, you doing anything? Ingram's like, not really. I'm like, all right, so let's go ahead and draft the freshmen, and we'll draft their snaps, and whoever... Uh, compiles more snaps at the end of the year, uh, wins. And uh, we're going to draft eight players each, snake draft style format. So whoever you know gets the first pick, the next guy gets picks two and three, and the next guy gets picks four and five, et cetera. And we were each going to pick eight uh, freshmen because we didn't want to have to pick the kicker. Obviously, he's not going to get too many snaps. And, uh, and there was an uneven number of uh, freshmen aside from that. So one freshman outside of the kicker, uh, was not going to be drafted, obviously, with us taking eight players apiece. We did this draft, I think it was like the first weekend in August. So fall camp had not uh, started yet. We did not have any knowledge at that time of who was running with the first team or, or even the second team because, like I said, they weren't really doing that as of yet. We had seen spring ball and we had been told certain things by our guys on the staff about what they felt about uh, these players. As you'll see, some of that information really paid off and some of it uh, did not. And of course, because Ingram and I like to gamble, uh, we had to have some stakes on this. So we said the loser has to pay 250 bucks to the donation to the charity of the winner's choice. So just to recap here, eight players apiece. We did this before we knew what ha- was happening with fall camp and uh, 250 from the loser to the charity of the winner's choice. Let's go ahead and get into this thing, man. I, I, I we we, we flip forward did we flip forward I think and uh, forgot how how we chose who had the first pick I remember thinking I would rather have picks two and three at the time but I ended up getting getting pick one and I let off with Akeem Dent and and here's what I said about Akeem Dent at the time I'm gonna go ahead and lead off with with Mr Akeem Dent the uh, the, the highest rated player in last year's class an early enrollee a guy who came on and was very impressive in the spring and. Has been practicing with with the uh, with the varsity, the, the the veterans throughout the fall so far. Again, we're recording this on uh, on, on Sunday morning, so if uh, if something happens between the, the time I make this pick and the time this podcast is released, uh, the pick still stands because we're not going to go back and redo this. And uh, yeah, Keem Dent is is mine, my number one pick. All right, you know what? Honestly, most of that worked out pretty well for me, Keem Dent with the number one overall pick, ended up being the top snap count getter. Snap count getter, is that really the, the right word for that? Probably not. Maybe earner, compiler would, would be a better better word choice there, Bud Elliott. Uh, Akeem Dent, 565 snaps on the year that led all freshmen uh, in terms of snap count. So I got to tell you, man, after my first pick, I was feeling pretty good. I had Akeem Dent locked in. He was an early enrollee. I knew he was going to play a lot, and he did. So I really liked where I was having picks two and three um, I really felt like the first two picks were pretty clear. Went with Dante Lucas. Here's what I said at the time about uh, choosing Lucas. 
I'm going to take uh, Dante Lucas. I think that's a guy that uh, could see accumulate a massive number of snaps, and uh, he could be he could be critical and ultimately win in this competition. By no means, uh, you know, any kind of incredible foresight uh, to go with that pick. I was really happy with it. Uh, in retrospect, you know, really the exactly what we thought. Denton and Lucas were almost uh, flips of the coin with Denton getting 565 snaps, Lucas getting 556. Uh, so more or less the same uh, total snap counts with the third pick and uh, really liked where I was uh, with this one. I went with Jaleel McCray, and here's what I said then. I'm gonna take uh, I'm gonna take McCray at linebacker. Uh, a little bit risky there with uh, some injury history, but uh, I think if he plays and he's healthy, uh, that that's a guy that could see snaps on defense, see special team snaps. Uh, I think he could. He's a guy that you could just look out there and see pick up uh, you know six to ten plays a game for you uh, through most of his freshman year. After the first three or four games, honestly, I thought McCray was on pace to have 400 snaps or so, and I wish. Uh, I wish maybe there was a little bit of a continued upward trajectory in kind of him picking up what was asked me, uh, what was asked of him. Otherwise, I think this would have been a, a really great pick. All in all, 206 snaps is not great. Uh, it's not a total disaster either. Uh, but coming out of the you know the first uh, having two of the first three picks and ultimately getting what 760 snaps between the two, I, I thought I was in pretty good place so far. I I, I think you were, man, for sure. Uh, now. I would go on to absolutely bungle my next two picks. I mean, Raymond Woody at number four. Here's what I said about him at the time. I'm going to take Raymond Woody. This might surprise some some people, but I, I think because because his dad's a college coach. I mean, obviously his dad being a college coach at Florida State doesn't hurt, but his dad's a college coach. He's grown up around the game. He's a smart player. I think that you know he, he may be able to play some in some sub packages, and I think he's also going to be able to play some special teams. So while he might not be the most physically opposing person in this group, uh, I think Raymond Woody is a, a fairly, fairly safe pick here. And, and I need some, somebody who's going to get some guaranteed playing time for me. You know, and, and listen to that. I, I don't know how much of that I would have changed if I had to do it to pick a, a week later. We knew the secondary had a lot of talented players in it. So it'd be a little bit tough for him to see time, but he did know the defense and he was getting a lot of playing time in the spring. Uh, Ultimately, Raymond Woody only get only got ninety three snaps on defense last year, so not uh, not really paying off for me there as far as that pick. And then Ingram, I threw up the first zero of the draft here with pick number five. I went with Malcolm Ray. Malcolm Ray uh, came in, looked like he was going to some kind of wellness clinic down south. I mean, just come in a- absolutely jacked and was impressing everybody with with, with how he looked and, and how he had put on a lot of good weight. Here's what I said about him at the time. I, I think I'm going to go ahead and buy into the preseason hype, and I'm I'm going to go ahead and take uh, take Malcolm Ray. He, maybe this is maybe this is the, the, the kind of risky to my safe side pick that, that I just took with Raymond Woody here. But Malcolm Ray has come into camp. He looks a whole lot bigger. He's probably 290-ish looking. They need guys who who can can rush the passer from the interior. Defensive line to me is a spot that guys rotate. So so Malcolm Ray is is my third round pick. Zero, uh, pretty sure there's an academic redshirt situation going on there. And uh, as we found out, there were a couple of the, those types on, on this team. And I, I think Ingram uh, found one of those as well a little bit later on. So zero snaps from Malcolm Ray, 
93 from Raymond Woody, and of course, 565 from Akeem Dent. So through three picks, I got to tell you, man, I'm, I was majorly down to Ingram there. I mean, 640 to his 760, and he only had two picks at that point. Uh, he was about to put some serious distance between himself and, and, and me with, with his third pick, which was sixth overall. All right, Ingram, uh, now here to tell you about Resolution Home Loans with their NOLCAST loan program. Obviously, you guys have heard this message now for several years. We are up to more than 50 NOLCAST listeners who have either had their, their mortgage or their refi through the NOLCAST loan program through Resolution. You can reach them 844-FSU-LOAN or FSUHomeLoans.com. But rates have changed a little bit. They've shifted. I think we had seven or eight NOLCAST listeners get in with that super low rate, uh, which, hey, I'm one of them. I, I guess I count as a listener. Uh, but now, look, man, the economy's shifting pretty hard. Rates have shifted uh, not as hard, obviously. Uh, but but times are tough for, for folks out there. And I was talking to Shannon, and he said, hey, I, you know, one thing we really don't don't beat the drum on a whole lot on the show, but something we may want to try now just to let people know is the ability to to take care of, of, of some high cost debt by accessing the equity in your home, right? So if you have consumer debt, credit card debt, anything like that, and you have some equity in your home, it might make a whole lot of financial sense for you, especially dur- during these times to go and use some of the equity in your home at a much lower interest rate than perhaps something that, that is a much higher interest rate. If that interests you, Give Shannon a call, 844-FSU-LOAN. So with the sixth overall pick, I took True Thompson. Uh, more or less my ideas in August, uh, you know, look, ultimately Thompson got 260 picks or 260 snaps, excuse me. Uh, that's a nice number. Here's what I thought in August. Thompson is somebody that is, Odell seems to, it seems like every year around the second or third game, Odell throws somebody out there. You're like, damn, already. Okay. Uh, and it may well be Malcolm Ray, uh, your pick. I was going to go with one of those two, and uh, and you you took him. Uh, but I think True's got a chance to see a little bit of playing time. He's a uh, he's done well. He also showed up putting on some putting on some good weight. So uh, Thompson was a, a really nice contributor. Some nice moments, uh, particularly in the back half of the season, as he started to uh, get a little bit more into the regular rotation. And with a seventh pick, I took Travis J. And to be honest with you, bud, at this point in the draft, I thought I had this thing uh, not locked up, but I thought I was in a very, very good place. Jay taking a goose egg is not something, <laughs> not, not part of the math that I worked out. So, yeah, it is fair to say with a fifth overall pick with Malcolm Ray and with a seventh overall pick, uh, looks like both of us ran into uh, uh, academic complications let me go ahead and let you let you hear what I thought of Jay at the time, uh, and again with the with the painful retrospect that uh, that we have a goose egg next to his name. Travis Jay is kind of the recruiting pedigree. I'm just betting on the athlete here. Fantastic athlete. He plays at a place where Florida State's got a ton of bodies, but I think I think when you have somebody like that on the roster, uh, you try to work him onto the field, try to get him involved in whatever way possible. Look again, he's playing he's playing a position where Florida State's depth is as deep as anywhere. Uh, other than maybe wide receiver, but I think at the end of the day, uh, you just got to go with with what you feel comfortable with. And Jay is maybe the best athlete in the class, and it would be, in my opinion, silly for me to look uh, anywhere else. All right, so through my first uh, block of two picks, feeling good, and I don't want to foreshadow anything, but uh, uh, it was hard for me to find snaps from from this point moving forward. 
if I can put on my Bob Costas voice here, let, let's go back to game six of the 1987 World Series with where Team Ingram is up like 1,100 to 640 or, or whatever it is, or 650 over me. I do start to mount a little bit of a comeback here. Uh, with, with the eighth pick, I, I, I knew I had two picks. Um, with, with the eighth pick, I took Kalen Deloach, the linebacker out at, at of Savannah. Uh, I, I thought with, with his athleticism, he'd be able to get on the field a, a good bit. Here's what I said about him at the time. I think Deloach is a really productive player in high school as far as making a ton of tackles, flying around, and that, to me, screams special teams. He also is a guy who I think is a hard worker, a smart football player, which is something the coaches are going to require in order to get him on the field. And linebacker has better better depth this year, but it's certainly not a 100% settled position. I'm not talking about starting, but as one of the backups, I, I think it's certainly possible. Okay, and with all that speed, he ended up getting 28 snaps. So, look, I'm just brick by brick. I'm, I'm just kind of chipping away at your lead here, but but 28 snaps is not going to get it done uh, as, as far as that. But, but I had another pick here. So with my uh, fifth pick of the draft, number nine overall, I took Brendan Gant. And this was one that, that I, I really had targeted. I thought, okay, I want to get either Travis Jay or Brendan Gant here. You took Travis J at the time. I was pretty annoyed uh, that that you did so. And uh, here's what I said about Brendan Gant. Under basically the exact same reasons that I thought about taking uh, Kalen Deloach. Very productive high school player, smart player, should be good on special teams. Um, I'm going to go ahead and take Gant. I, I think there's a good chance that that somebody I hit on is going to be a, a consistent special teamer and may, maybe be a gunner uh, or one of those downfield guys on, on maybe both Punt, you know, punt and kickoff. Brendan Gant got me 267 snaps. That was a hit. He, that to, to get that at pick number nine, very happy about that. Uh, the reason why I went with Gant, as you heard there, I had been told he's a pretty smart player. You know, like the, the coaches liked him. They felt like he really got it. Some of these kids have the barrier to, to playing time that is a physical one, and some of them have a mental one. And you really want to avoid choosing the guys who have both, or an academic one, clearly, like as we learned. <laughs> Don't pick the guys who are not going to be eligible to play. Uh, that that's you know it's pretty important there. Um, although at the time you really wouldn't wouldn't know that necessarily because they're still trying to fit, finish up stuff. So yeah, Brendan Gant gave me 267 snaps, and and at this point Ingram, I'm starting to kind of mount a little bit of a comeback. But as long as you can just get you know reasonable number of snaps for for your final four final four picks here, you you got this thing locked up. All right, we will uh, we'll, we'll pause ever so briefly to talk about our number one overall pick. That is Madison Social for the Table Restaurant Group. Um, you know, the, the message hasn't wavered here. Just asking you guys to support them any way possible. I'll give you a quick look behind the, the scenes here as far as our analytics. Uh, Atlanta, Orlando, and Tallahassee are pretty much our number one markets, depending on what uh, view you look at. And if you're in Tallahassee, we'd love to... You know, see if uh, if you could utilize some of the takeaway services that they've put into play. Uh, pick up lunch from them, pick up uh, a meal, take it home to the family, support them any way possible. And if you're in Atlanta, you're in Orlando, uh, look look and see if there's not uh, a fantastic T-shirt that they have available or anything else in their merch department. Or uh, hey, look, there's a, some pretty good value in gift cards right now. And if it's uh, you know something that you want to buy. In uh, in March or April, with the idea of using it in September, uh, would be ever so appreciated from us, and and ever so a value for the good people at For the Table Restaurant Group. So they've been with us since day one. Uh, we certainly plan on, 
on keeping them with us uh, for as long as we do the Nolcast. And any way that you could find to support them is greatly appreciated by Bud and I. So I have to say, with w- once Gant went off the board, I was um, I was out of pieces, really, as far as where I was going to go with real confidence as to who was going to get snaps. Uh, with a number 10 pick, I went and took, uh, took Kevon Glenn out of middle Georgia here. Let me give you my thoughts as to him at the time. Kevon Glenn, thinking more that this is special team snaps than anything else, but a uh, kid who works real hard, takes himself exceptionally seriously. Uh, if he doesn't see the field, it won't be because, uh, at least from the information that we have at this point, uh, it, nothing would point to anything other than uh, him just not taking advantage of a, an opportunity. But hard worker, kid that wants to get on the field, I think that's a, a guy that you could see fairly consistent special team snaps for. In, uh, in going back and listening to that, bud, I don't know that I really would have changed a whole lot of things. You know, obviously, uh, the McCray kid got a decent amount of snaps, but, you know, like you pointed out with DeLoach, there, the idea was right. It just didn't translate over really to any of these younger linebackers other than McCray getting real meaningful snaps. Uh, so ultimately, Kevin Glenn with the 10th pick I took, and I got five snaps out of him. So that's a, that's a tough pill to swallow. Uh, with the 11th pick, I went and uh, thought I had. Really good value at the time, and one uh, Quayshon Fuller. Uh, let me give you a, uh, a quick look back as to what I thought when I took Fuller at number 11. And I feel like uh, I'm just going to take the flyer here. This could uh, this could be the, the number that averages zero. This could be a guy who has a major impact. I'm going to go ahead and, uh, and take Quayshon Fuller. Again, in retrospect, not necessarily a bad pick, not necessarily a bad Train of thought, uh, Fuller emerged slightly at the end of the year, but still, you're looking at a guy who took nine snaps overall. So uh, with the 10th and 11th pick, I got a combined 14 snaps out of it, and uh, yeah, started to go in the wrong direction for me here. That will hurt your feelings, the old, the old nine snap there from uh, from Quajon Fuller. I wonder if, if they had figured out a position for him and, and let him stick with a position early on, if if you might be looking a little bit better there. Uh, but you know, he was kind of bouncing bouncing around where he was playing um, you know, trying to drop weight, trying to play defensive end. Would he grow into a tackle? You know, who knows? All right, Ingram, now we're going to bring a special message from our sponsor, Travis Johnson. Travis Johnson is a board-certified family law attorney with the Metter & Johnson firm, over a decade of experience in the field, and a certified expert in family law. So here's Travis. He passes along. I hope everyone is staying safe and healthy during this pandemic. Hopefully, the measures being taken across the state and country will limit the scope and duration of the current problems. However, These same measures have already resulted in millions of people being laid off, furloughed, or losing their income, with more surely to come. No one knows how long the situation will last, but if you have a child support or alimony obligation, you need to know that the requirement that you pay your support does not automatically change when your circumstances change. It is important to seek a court-ordered modification of your child support or alimony payment as soon as possible, as any reduction can only be made retroactive to the time of the filing, not to the time of the change in your income. Even if you expect only a short-term loss of income, we can help you temporarily reduce your support obligation. Now, Travis also reached out to me and said, hey, bud, obviously we know times are tough for folks. I want to offer flexible rates and and, and payment options for NOLCAST listeners if they mention my ad on the show. And we'll even do a free initial consult for NOLCAST listeners if if they mention Travis's ad on the show. This is a great opportunity. Obviously, a lot of people have changing situations. Travis is literally one of the top family law attorneys in the state. He has cases all throughout the state, more than a decade of experience. He even teaches the subject. Travis Johnson, a proud supporter of the NOLCAST, willing to work with NOLCAST listeners 
with his free consult and flexible rate uh, options. If you mentioned the Nolcast, you can reach Travis Johnson of the Metter and Johnson Law Firm, 850-435-9919. All right. So at this point, I've, I've picked, uh, what, five guys. I, I'm now at picks 12 and 13 overall in this draft. And I'm not going to lie, man, I, I just got lucky. Right, I, I, I like you can hear what I said here about this guy, Darius Washington. You know, I, I, I like Washington. He looked like he came in offensive tackle, Pensacola area, maybe maybe guard, depending. Looks like he came in with some college ready size. This is kind of a play on you know, what happens if they lose a tackle, right? Does he become the number three offensive tackle in the, in this group? Maybe, potentially. I this is kind of crazy. He might be a guy who can play in some more garbage time situations. There's a very good chance he plays on field goal and uh, an extra point team. So I should get a couple snaps out of him per game at least. Uh, maybe he's on punt protection team, potentially. I, we're we're kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel here now, but I think there's a little bit of guaranteed and also uh, some potential upside. And as you can hear from that clip, and, and I know a clip you'll hear coming up from Ingram in just a second. Look, it was basically just pick, pick an offensive lineman time. And I was like, well, I like Darius Washington because he can play offensive tackle or offensive guard, which increases the chance he can get in as an injury replacement. And that is basically exactly what happened. He entered as an injury replacement, and he ended up getting 255 snaps on the season. He had the third most snaps for me out of anybody on my team, and, and that, that was from from the 12th overall pick there out of a 16-pick draft. So definitely got kind of lucky there with that one. And then Derek McClendon, uh, I followed up at pick number 13. Here's what I said about the uh, defensive lineman out of Georgia. I, I have so many defensive backs. I know you have a couple DBs as well already. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and take McClendon. They, they're going to need some backups in the front seven. I've seen photos of him recently, and, and I think I saw him at, at Saturday Night Live. I might be mistaken on that. He looked bigger, and he, he looked like he's a guy that, that lifted the weights and, and is going to show up ready to maybe take a couple snaps. So Derek McClendon, defensive end, uh, true freshman is my pick. This is a hard thing to do, even if you're paid and, and like this is the beat you cover. It's hard to get these things exactly right. End up getting 37 snaps out of Derek McClendon. Uh, but at this point, that 255 from Darius Washington and uh, and that 37 from McClendon combined with the, uh, the 0, 5, and 9 that Ingram's team was putting together with Jay, Glenn, and Fuller uh, I I managed to pull ahead. Managed to pull ahead, absolutely. And unfortunately for me, these next two picks were uh, there was not a whole lot of solace to be found either. Thought I was getting great value at, at the 14th pick with Curtis Fan. Shocked that there's a zero next to his name, uh, even as I sit here in March and record this. Uh, but ultimately, there was. Let me give you my uh, my ideas to where I was going with the 14th pick. I feel like uh, this is maybe a kid that's real low on the uh, the immediate playing time list, but maybe has a, a higher upside uh, than than where we're drafting him. Uh, I'm going to go with Curtis Fan here. I, I don't know that there's a ton of snaps for for Curtis to be had, and uh, playing at Emanuel County Institute is a is a pretty small. It's one of the smaller segments of Georgia ball that you're going to encounter. Uh, so there's going to be a, an adjustment to make. And we're kind of here at the end, so there's not too many other uh, places to go. But I think when you get a chance to pick somebody like Fan this late in the draft, uh, it's the direction that I want to go in. And uh, with the 15th pick, kind of like Bud alluded there, it was a little bit of a, hey, grab a lineman, see what happens. Uh, and and if I was, hey, grabbing a lineman, the idea of grabbing uh, Ira Henry with the 15th pick was one that I 
I thought I'd got great value. Mm -hmm. uh, unfortunately, Henry accounted for 11 snaps. So between pick 7, 10, 11, 14, and 15, I was able to wrangle all of 35 snaps. And that will hurt your feelings. That will hurt your feelings. We'll go back to Bud. Will it hurt your feelings if I point out I think it was 25? Uh, yeah, no, no. <laughs> it is 25. <laughs> I tried to pad my own stats there. That's, uh, that's going to even hurt my feelings anymore. So uh, I sent it to Bud with the 16th overall pick. He did a great job of finding value. I'm not trying to say anything. This is probably the only kid, and Bud, you, I'll let you give your opinion. This is probably the only kid that a couple weeks into practice after talking to coaches, if we were to redraft, there's no way this kid would have gone to 16. I mean, there, there started to be a buzz about Green fairly early. Uh, still tip of the cap to you for, for getting him with a 16th pick. Uh, but this is the only kid on this list that I think, had we done the draft maybe three weeks later, would have would have really gone off at a different place on the board. I, I totally agree. And, and here's what I said about him at, at the time. And I want you to listen to this because like, the reason why I picked him over Jar Jarvis Brownlee is it's a razor thin margin. I'm going to go ahead and take Renardo just because I think there's some chance he could get into the punt return race, maybe. And, uh, and maybe maybe that those five, six snaps push me over the edge if it's close later in the year. So go ahead and give me Renardo Green. Now, he did not end up being Florida State's punt returner, which was kind of the, the tiebreaker uh, that I used there uh, to go ahead and select Renardo. But Renardo came up with 164 snaps. Obviously, if one of us had picked Bernardo, not the other, that could have flipped the draft because I only won it by 250 snaps. So you take away 164 from me and, and give them to you, um, then that's that's a whole different ballgame there. Um, but yeah, Renardo Green was a great icing on the cake pick for me there at pick 16. I am pretty shocked I won this. Like, I really, I thought your process was better than mine, to be honest. I thought you did a better job. Um, I thought at the time you getting Travis J at seventh overall was going to be the nail in my coffin. And this kind of just goes to show that anything can happen, especially with, with true freshman playing time. There, there are not, there are not a whole lot of guarantees, uh, at all. In the end, I had 1,409 snaps. Ingram had, uh, 1,047. So like I said, not, not really that, that big of a gap there, uh, between the two of us. So. All right, let's get into this. The worst pick for you and the worst pick for me. I I think these are pretty obvious um, in Malcolm Ray and Travis J, right? Because they both threw up zeros from high draft picks. I don't think we could have known for sure that they were going to be ac academic, you know, dunzos. If we have a second worst pick, like ones who were not academics, mine would be Deloach giving me 28 snaps out of the eight spot or maybe Woody you know, less than 100 snaps at, at fourth overall. Man, yours has got to come in the second half of your draft pretty much because you just knocked your first three picks out of the park. Yeah, and I just didn't. I should have been more off its attack. I should have been more line aware. That, that In retrospect, when I go back and look at this, uh, I should have done a more aggressive job of just giving me some kind of coverage as to uh, putting myself in a place to absorb some of these snaps that uh, you know, perhaps you could have foreseen. You know, we, we both had some nice value picks. We both found uh, some good plays. Thompson came a little bit earlier in the draft for me. We just talked about Renardo Green uh, and what you got out of him with a 16th overall pick. But uh, it is a, it's really interesting to, uh, to go back and look at this and kind of see, uh, you know, both hear our thoughts and then see how we plotted this out in our minds and then actually what played out on the field. 
And uh, here's something for you. The only guy who didn't get picked had 180 snaps. That was Maurice Smith. Yeah, we talked about it at the time that, you know, we we both probably goofed on that one and, and should have taken him. And the idea that he's a, you know, hardworking kid from a decent program and would very likely find himself in, in the rotation at some point. I think our concern was he was pretty small. So if he did get in the game, what did it say about the offensive line? And ultimately... It said a lot. <laughs> it did say an awful lot. What a bit. <laughs> All right, Sir Ingram, now it's time for me to gloat a little bit and to, uh, to, to let you know where I'm going to need you to send that check. Uh, and I was listening to another podcast today and they were talking about first responders and, and COVID-19 and whatnot and, and which type of, of cases are up and down in terms of uh, crime stats. And uh, almost all of them are down because most people are staying home. But uh, two that are up are obviously uh, domestic violence and child abuse. And I said, well, you know, this time of year, given the, the current pandemic situation, let's go ahead and try to find a charity that supports uh, both those. And I, I brought the idea up to you and you loved it. So we're going to go with uh, One Heart for Women and Children here in Orlando. Uh, it also has a food bank element and they, they try to help uh, women and children uh, who have escaped bad situations and overcome hardship uh, get on their feet. So pretty cool there. That's uh, One Heart for Women and Children and we'll be sending them a check. This has been the Nolcast. The Nolcast is created and hosted by Bud Elliott and Ingram Smith. Music by Judson Wright and produced by Justin Robinson. Go Knowles.